I'm here with Sean Brandlin, uh, amazing teacher and coach, soon to be working towards his, his administrative credential um, in El Segundo, and he's going to share a little bit about his journey so far in distance learning. Welcome, Sean. Hi, Katina. Hi, everyone. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for this opportunity. Absolutely. So just tell tell people a little bit about your, your background, who you are, how long you've been, where you're at. Okay. Um, so my name is Sean Brandlin. Uh, I am, I teach eighth grade social studies or U.S. history at El Segundo Middle School. Um, we're a, a very small coastal community located just south of LAX airport. Uh, I've been in, uh, been teaching the district for, this is my eighth year now. Um, so this is my second year teaching eighth grade history. When I got hired, I was teaching sixth grade history uh, and language arts. Um, I spent a couple years as an instructional technology coach. Um, and then now this is also uh, my second stint, we'll call it, um, as the personalized learning instructional coach uh, for El Segundo Unified School District. Um, so as part of that uh, personalized learning instructional coach, I work closely with uh, approximately 20 teachers um, on all things related to creating a student-centered learning environment uh, for our students. Awesome. And it's been just like easy breezy getting into distance learning, right? <laughs> um, I would say for uh, the members of our AMPT team, which uh, is our autonomy, mastery, and purpose uh, group the teachers that I work with, uh, many of which um, began using the Altitude Learning Platform um, prior to the pandemic in March, um, for most, much of those folks, it actually was a pretty seamless transition, uh, for some of the, uh, newer folks that jumped on, um, in the fall of the school year. Um, it was a little rocky start, but we're, uh, we're, we're making some strides and making some headways and everybody feels comfortable with the platform now. And, um, so yeah, I, I think that the platform as a tool has been very, very helpful uh, during this transition. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, what are a couple of bright spots that you or team have experienced since we were thrust into this kind of emergency learning in March? Um, I would say that uh, one major bright spot or one major takeaway that um, at least that I have experienced and some of our teachers have noticed in their experience with their students is that some students are really uh, thriving in this environment. Uh, we know that you know, there are, are a, a lot of others that are struggling with it. Um, when I ask my students what they miss about school, of course, they always mention missing their friends and collaborating on projects in person. Um, they're definitely not the biggest fans of logging into Zoom every day and being taught on a screen. Um, but when I ask them about distance learning or some of the things they like about it, uh, many students mention uh, the opportunity and ability to kind of complete assignments and projects at their own pace. Uh, they like being able to work from home, at least not full time, but uh, to complete their assignments and to do it at a pace that kind of, uh, you know, works for them. Um, so I think they I think they also appreciate that um, with this transition or the switch um you know all, obviously all of our teachers have had to embrace it uh there's nothing that we could do really to change it um but it kind of forced us as educators uh to kind of take some risk and try and do some new things uh with our students um so 
you know, whether it's, you know, one-on-one check-ins through a Zoom meeting or in a small group, I think the kids kind of appreciate that. Um, when I ask my students um, what would be like an ideal learning environment for them, many of them said, I would love to go in a couple to school a couple of days a week and then have a couple of days where I work from home. Um, so I think a, a bright spot or a, a, a huge takeaway uh, for that matter has been um, we're starting to have more and more conversations about uh, blended learning and the opportunities it can provide for El Segunda. I love that. Yeah, I found the same thing just with my own kids that, you know, that they're, for the most part, having a little bit of socialization because they're old enough to drive and for sure get out and about, but the ability to work at their own pace, at their own speed, and kind of prioritize their time has been really um, impactful for them. So, I love that you're asking your kids repeatedly the things that are working so that, you know, their, their voice is being elevated in that. That's <laughs> for cool. sure. Definitely. Yeah. I, uh, several of my students are like, you always ask for our feedback and I'm like, well, uh, I, I'm still trying out new things too, guys. So if things really, really work and you enjoy, you know, a certain task or what you're doing, um, while you're working at home and while you're learning at home, I'm happy to implement it or try something else. And if, something else doesn't work, then, you know, we learn from it and we uh, don't try that, that, that one that didn't work as well uh, again. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. How about some barriers? What are some challenges or what are some things that you're kind of struggling with to still um, make change or, you know, get into place with your kiddos? Yeah, I, I, I think the biggest challenge right now or the biggest barrier, and I mean, I know as obviously as an educator, you know, We'll always say time, time, time. Um, I think right now is everybody's got a lot going on. Um, and it's not just teachers, it's everyone really. Um, anxiety levels are high, or at least they were prior to the winter break. Um, some teachers are just trying to survive and are limping to the finish line. And I find myself occasionally feeling that way. We're all tired, we're exhausted. And we've been you know, giving, giving it our all during distance learning. And this is, you know, it's not as new as it was in uh, March and in the spring, but it's still re relatively new. So, you know, I think the biggest challenge or the biggest barrier is uh, continuing to make shifts uh, with, uh, with instruction uh, during this uh, distance learning environment. Um, so not only did teachers have to, you know, uh, learn new ways of go about going about teaching uh, in distance learning, uh, they've had to find new ways to build relationships uh, and meet the needs of their students all while doing it through um, a screen, which obviously can provide many challenges, having to build a, a class community or class culture uh, for that is obviously not the easiest in a sense while you're uh, you know, on a device. Um, and I, th I feel like uh, teachers are having to reinvent um, the wheel on a daily basis and uh, educators deserve all the recognition in the world for all of their hard work throughout this entire process um, and obviously a, a huge, huge uh, pay raise. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think there's just a lot going on. Uh, folks are tired. Um, we are embracing some of these new challenges and learning a, a lot throughout the process, but it's, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I, I hope, and I did see, you know, especially early on when we went into this kind of lockdown and shifting um, 
where families were starting to realize the, the value and the importance of schools and school systems and educators and how much uh, that support and that structure mattered and, and supported their normal family life and routines <laughs> and structure. And so I, I hope that people can especially appreciate how hard educators are working to try to do this in this venue, you know, where you're not able to be side by side and have that close connection and build those relationships. No, for so. sure. I mean, uh, my child is uh, just just turned one in December. And I, I mean, working from home and he's been at daycare and a couple of days that he's been sick that I've had to keep him home. Uh, I mean, it's a challenge for me to, to get work done. Um, I, for the parents that, you know, have students at home, um, I, I mean, one, I could not imagine if Charlie, our son was, uh, in, uh, in actual grade school right now, um, or if I was a student, uh, throughout this process. Um, so yeah, it's, it is nice to see, it's funny, you turn on the TV or you read something in the news or a celebrity talked about how, you know, everybody's seen the value and the invaluable work that teachers really do um, uh, for, for, for children, we'll say. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Well, and on that note, um, what's something uh, that is, would be a bridge? We're here in distance learning. We know that it's not um, ideal nor a situation we wanna stay in long-term, but we've learned and we've seen that there are some positive outcomes as a result of having to change our mindset and adjust our practice. So what is something that you've learned or tried or been doing that you would carry over once we are free and clear to return back to in-person on-campus daily instruction? Yeah, I, I think that uh, the pandemic um, and distance learning as a whole has definitely forced all of us, you know, students, parents, educators, curriculum developers, hopefully politicians to kind of rethink what education should look like and what it, what it cannot be or what it, sorry, what it can be. <laughs> um, I feel like um, teaching and learning cannot look like what it did, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or when I was a student. Um, it can't be, you know, a teacher in front of the class and students uh, learning passively throughout the process. Um, I feel like one of the, the bright spots or, or bridges, I mean, uh, for El Segundo at least is our AMP initiative. Um, autonomy, mastery, and purposeful learning. Um, I feel like we need to kind of embrace that when focus on creating those rich, relevant, and authentic tasks for students to um, kind of problem solve and collaborate with one another. Um, so yeah, I, I think that when we do go back to in-person learning, kind of embracing that model of making these instructional shifts uh, to focus on the student as a whole or student-centered learning, um, that could be a, um, a nice uh, beneficial piece uh, that we could have um, grow in our district. And I've, I mean, we, we call it AMP in El Segundo and other places obviously have their own uh, brand for it. Um, but yeah, I, I think the combination of that and even looking at this uh, blended learning model um, where kids are uh, in class a few days a week and are working from home if they can, if that, you know, if that kind of works for them or if that's the, the best learning environment, then that might be a nice uh, next piece of the puzzle. Yeah, love it, love it. 
Well, Sean, really do appreciate you taking a little bit of time today, especially during your winter break where you're supposed to be not thinking about work, um, to just share a little bit and um, would love to just end with you sharing a fun fact uh, to help people get to know you a little bit better, something that might surprise folks that tune in. Um, I can't say you're a massive Dodger fan. <laughs> Huge Dodgers fan. So uh, this, even though it was a, a modified season, it was a, a, a very... Uh, triumphant uh finish we'll say um and i mean i've been going to games since i was a kid so it was a uh, bittersweet not being able to go to a game at all this season but then uh watching them uh, of course take on the world series uh, trophy was was awesome uh but a fun fact um i guess i have two that come to mind one is um try to hike and uh as often as i can and definitely get a lot out of, you know, uh, achieving um, a high peak or, or somebody in the mountain for that matter. But I guess uh, for folks that are listening, um, play uh, music in a band called Hoist the Colors, uh, which kind of started off as a, um, let's say a folk band, which with a lot of traditional instruments. And then we blended um, some of our punk rock roots uh, to play some, uh, to play, I don't know if I'd call it traditional Irish punk, but it's, uh, you're in a band. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm in a band. So, I mean, obviously we haven't been able to play, uh, uh, as a result of the pandemic. I think the last, uh, show that we played was right before Charlie arrived. Oh. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, playing music was definitely, uh, my, my out for that matter. <laughs> I didn't even know this about you. What's the name of the band? Uh, the name of the band is Hoist the Colors, kind of like you're raising the pirate flag. I had a little pirate theme to it. Do you have some stuff on YouTube or anything? Um, there is stuff on YouTube, yes. <laughs> I'm gonna go look it up, see what that's all about. <laughs> uh, on Instagram as well. So yeah, that's probably our biggest piece, but you can definitely see some, uh, some videos it. on YouTube. Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Well, again, thank you so much, Sean. I really do appreciate you taking a little bit of time to share uh, today and would love to check in in a couple of months and just see how things have shifted and evolved and um, maybe do another uh, podcast where you can share uh, the ongoing journey uh, in El Segundo. That sounds great. Thank you for the opportunity, Katina. And it's uh, as always a, a pleasure to speak with you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Sean.